Bitcoin's not dead. Elon's not dead. Zinc is at a buck sixty. Copper's at four seventy one. Inflation is not transitory. We'll get into the Pandora's box. We'll talk William Shatner. We'll talk Minnesota police hunting activists and John Deere workers going on strike. A lot to get to. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 139 of Bizarro World. How are you, Mr. Hodge? 139 has got a pattern to it, uh, Gerardo. Uh, I don't know why that popped into my head. I'm doing really good. Mercury in retrograde is coming to an end. If you've been feeling wonky for a couple of weeks, you can attribute it to that. Uh, We certainly have had a bit of wonkiness here. I think we're coming uh, out of that. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about being excited for the fourth quarter. And I think uh, investors are starting to see why in the market. So plenty to talk about. Uh, How are you doing? I am excellent. Wonky is right. Retrograde is correct. Just got my tax bill. Ouch. Um, Yeah, looking forward to getting uh, over with the retrograde and on to an exciting fourth quarter. Both you and I opined in Q3 that Q4 would be very profitable if you were positioned well. I have to say, I think we were positioned well. I think subscribers have been positioned well for the most part. And I think there's a lot of wins and a lot of triple digit gains in the portfolio, both on your end of it and on my side. Where should we start? Let's talk Bitcoin. It's at 61,000. Um, you know, other groups were putting out letters that Bitcoin was dead. Bitcoin is trash. Um, the rally was over. You know, take your profits. And here we are, right? 61,000. You still hodling? <laughs> I'm still hodling my Bitcoin. Uh, I don't have a price in mind for... Uh, what I would, uh, what it would have to fall to for me to add, but yeah, look, we told you many weeks ago that uh, Bitcoin was going to continue to inflate when it had its sell-off on the on the China ban news, and uh, here you get um, what's the news this week? You know, we might get a Bitcoin uh, futures or Bitcoin ETF is is the news. You know, I don't know if this news is going to be bought or sold in the in the crypto market. What I do know is that. Uh, I was correct about the call to buy mm. more when it uh, dipped a, a few weeks ago. And so we'll navigate what comes next when it comes. That's sort of how you do markets, right? And so, um, yeah. If you do them right. <laughs> a lot of people out there thought it was exactly, thought it was uh, over, but it's a, it's a long way from that. And so, um, you know, I've always said I'm not a crypto expert, but I've been able to at least identify trends and get in and out occasionally to, the benefit of my bottom line that we should talk about people who know more than us. And and those are people we're seeking out to to bring new products to markets. So uh, we'll have a Bitcoin uh, letter out here uh, soon for existing members to join and then open it up probably to the wider public uh, going into 2022. But uh, look, this uh, whole crypto market is a long way from uh, dead for lots of things that we talk about and we'll talk about in this podcast from the decentralization of institutions to the abuse by elites of the current financial system uh, to the to the the death of the dollar which continues and sort of told you that as as well it wasn't going to break out above 94 so um I don't know if I answered your question about Bitcoin but you're, ho- you're, you're hodling. You're hodling. That's, That's the answer, it. right? You think it's going higher? It could pull back. Of course, it can pull back. Everything in does. the long term, it's going higher than sixty. Yeah, than sixty thousand dollars. Sure. Excellent. Another call that you were spot on, and you were early. And this is the one uh, sector that I don't cover in the resource space, just because I don't feel uh, qualified enough to do so. Is uh, the oil space, right? The energy market. You absolutely nailed that. Uh, here we got crude at eighty two twenty four, up another percent today. I know subscribers of yours have done extremely well with multiple plays. Speak to that. Where do you see that going? Look, I mean, I'll give credit to Keith McCullough before I start talking. You know, Hedgeye has been a wonderful tool for me to use, and it's uh, the signals that he puts out has allowed me to to articulate sort of. Uh, my views on the market, which which come from you know a different sort of view and, and investment and things. I'm not trading in the broader macro markets every day, but I use those uh, inputs from from his process to help me with uh, 
other things. And so, um, you know, going back, you know, he made a bullish in, uh, inflation call 17 months ago, right? Mm. And so uh, drilling down on that, it was it was easy to see that the things were going to inflate, including oil. And so um, even uh, coming into it last year, uh, you've been able you've been able to do quite well, right? So uh, beating the dead horse, you know, in November last year, we were in oil stocks. Rotated into to oil and gas uh, explorers and producers uh, in the summertime, and that's done well as natural gas has continued to to go up. And um, look, the other thing I would say is that um, everyone else is playing catch up here, hmm. right? So, and I told we talked about that, Gerardo, uh, yep. last week, I think. Yep. Now, that once the mainstream finally realized that inflation was real, that these things were going to go even uh, higher, and you're seeing some of that. Uh, this week we'll talk about individual commodities in a second, but the point uh, I'd want to end with in this little segment is that, um, you know, you got the Fed starting to talk about stagflation now, and I think that's wrong. They're late catching up to the narrative. (laughs) Uh, First off, uh, earnings are coming out good, which we sort of said was going to happen. CNBC is writing about an unexpected pop in retail sales. Now, fuck you. Unexpected. (laughs) Oh, and so... um, what I want to say is that I think stocks can go higher alongside energy because what I see developing now, another thing in the mainstream is that oil prices are going to be bad for stocks, right? And it's um, it's back to that growth, right? If the growth can run commensurately uh, with the inflation, then it's a, it's a up scenario. And you had a 500 point update in the Dow yesterday, stocks ripping again today, dollar starting to, to break back down. And so um, again, can can crude pull back to 70, 65, 60 bucks? Sure, it can. Can it can it go up to 100? Yeah, it can go up to $100. Sure. Absolutely. Got to talk copper, right? 471. Hell of a week. We've been writing about copper since, God, at least 2016 um, when I launched my first service um, under under your banner. And I know you've been writing about copper and, and energy and, you know, the electrification of everything uh, for over half a decade now, at the very least. Gotta love the price action. I do got to say, uh, before we, we we get into gold, that uh, Keith McCullough at, at Hedgeye has absolutely nailed um, the gold trade. And, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But how you feeling about the copper space? Well, we'll talk copper stocks in a second. All I know is uh, China <laughs> was running out of bullets, which we mentioned. Uh, they had been selling on the open market to sort of keep the price subdued because one of the things you got to do when you're a communist oppressive regime is keep your people quasi happy, right? Mm. And so um, uh, when things uh, priced in a dollars globally are ripping higher, they were trying to suppress the copper market. And, and, and that's sort of um, out of bullets on that front. And you've got, I pulled up a chart before we started. I mean, wider candles on the copper price, right? Moving higher in a hurry from 425 just a couple of days ago to $475 uh, a pound today. I mean, um, how high can copper go, Gerardo? Uh, copper can go much higher. Copper. Gonna get a it, copper eagle. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Liberty. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, 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 don't get me going. Um, look, the bottom line is this: if and it didn't take a genius or a chartist or a technician uh, to get this call right here. The past couple of weeks, if you know that China is trying, not trying, selling into the market to keep the price of copper down, and the price of copper still wasn't really being held down. What did you all think would happen? It, it, it seems like the simplest trade to make, right? And look, the bottom line is we were able to position subscribers and readers and followers um, and, and frankly, listeners of this podcast and some of the names that are now absolutely ripping, right? Cucho Copper closed at 98 cents today, all time high. Um, I could go on. And, and, and despite that, there's still significant bargains in the space. Uh, Chicana Copper had some more great news. Two releases this week. That stock's still not getting any love. Hannon Metals has an entire basin. That stock eh, perked up a little bit, closed around the 30 cent level today. Massively undervalued, in my opinion, if they're able to find what I think they're going to find next year. So, no, a lot to like in the space. Um, it's great to be positioned ahead of time, I know. For a lot of newer subscribers and traders and speculators, it can be frustrating um, to sit and wait and watch nothing happen for you know a couple of months, sometimes even a year. 
But man, it sure is nice when you're getting 100, 200, 300% pops in weeks, right? Screenshot days. That's what I saw them called this week. It's a screenshot day where you take a screenshot of the, how many of the percent updates and the uranium stocks, et cetera. And so, um, yeah, this is what the resource cycles are uh, all about and uh, unfolding here in, in real time is very interesting to watch and be a part of. Agreed. Agreed. Um, gold. I, I mentioned Keith McCullough. I mentioned he Hedgeye. I mentioned that he's been absolutely spot on on his call. I believe um, earlier this week, I heard him say somewhere, whether it was on Twitter or somewhere, um, that he would short gold if it got, you know, near that 1805 range. That was like the top of his range, right? And uh, look, it got to 1798. And sure enough, right back down to 1767. Your rates continue to go up uh, while the dollar broke down. Rates have continue to be strong. And if you, you pull a rate chart out for the past year, it's uh, no wonder why uh, gold has been unable to to break out the 10-year the ten year yield, if I put it in percent, percent terms, is up 100% in the past year. And so um, that is material in inflation in the, in the bond yield that, um, frankly, gold is not competing with. And so um, it's a good discussion to talk about all the names that it has now, because everyone's got a name for it. It's Hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't want to knock gold is, is, is another point. Like no. I, I think gold gold has done its job. It's held its value. It fucking went to an all-time high last year. You said it sold some stocks. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, it's done pretty damn good. But it's rotated into other things. And so I've called it whack-a-mole inflation. I think mm. Marin's got another word for it. Schwab was calling it persistently transitory this week. And so... Um, <laughs> got something persistent for Schwab. <laughs> You got it popping up in, in, in all these different um, in in all these different uh, areas, right? Uh, and we've talked about this uh, at infinitum. So uh, inflation popping up in copper, inflation popping up in uh, Bitcoin, and then cooling off and going into oil, et cetera. And that's just been um, how this inflation has played out. So um, it's going to be interesting. Next week we'll be in New Orleans. I'll be on the precious metals panel and. Um, Mr. Calandra, Tom Calandra, who's going to host the panel, was asking for us to send him uh, cartoons about uh, <laughs> gold. And there were like many like, positive <laughs> cartoons that were coming uh, back and forth. One was kids at the end of a rainbow and they had a pot of IOUs. <laughs> Uh, that is hilarious. Uh, that is hilarious. Look, the time to position in the gold space is and has been the past 13 or 14 months after the new all-time highs, right? It's a longer than usual consolidation. Um, it has frustrated even the most you know faithful of gold bugs. I am not a gold bug. I like to make money. I like to use trends to my advantage. I like to do it in the real estate market. I like to do it with gold, with copper, with lithium, you name it. If I can make a buck from it, I, I, I want to position ahead of that. This is the time to position ahead of that, folks. Um, we, we, we said this for, you know, over a year in the uranium space. And now those screenshot days, as they called it, um, you know, you're chasing, you're chasing stocks that are up three, four, five, sometimes tenfold in the uranium space and likely going higher. It's a whole lot easier to make money, everyone, if you just get in a little bit early. This is the get it early time aspect for gold. Magna Gold just reported a quarter where they're selling gold at 1767, I believe. They're mining it at 1130 or 1150. Um, and, and they just did 19,000 ounces this past quarter. They're on track to do 65 to 75,000 ounces this year. That's generating over 42, $43 million in profits annually. And it's got a market cap of, I think, 65, 70 million US. The valuation and the disconnect there is insane to me. Load up and just wait for the markets to catch up. Gold will see its day. This is not the time for it. It's it's you know it's copper, it's zinc, it's lithium, which is also going gangbusters. It's zinc. Um, Brandon McDonald of Fireweed Zincs uh, made a comment on Twitter that had me in stitches all week. He said he is the human avatar of zinc. <laughs> <laughs> And good for him because they've been putting out some phenomenal results into the market. It's good to see the zinc price finally cooperate and people give a shit for a change, right? 
Yes, even PGMs catching a bid this week, which I noticed. Mm, mm. Opportunities in the space, companies. I mentioned Magna. Um, any companies out there that you think are very, very cheap on a valuation basis or just good speculations? Maybe they don't have cash flow. You want precious metals companies or any uh, companies? Any company. People want to make money. People are listening to me curse and scream and get frustrated and rant. And uh, let's give them a bone, right? Um, scrolling on the list, um, the precious metal space revival gold is gonna, um, be having news in the new year, if not late this year, um, working towards, uh, you know, a recommencement of, of that mine, just uh, absolutely undervalued on the precious metal side of things. Let me see what else I see here. You already mentioned, um, Hannon, if you have, if you have, um, permitting risk, there's Almaden, right? You can talk mm. about Almaden. Look, market cap, I think, stands at somewhere like 55 million Canadian. Let's check. It's been a few hours. Where are we at? Oh, 66 million Canadian. Um, they have a mill that has a replacement cost <laughs> higher <laughs> than the entire market cap of the company. Oh, and by the way, you get a polymetallic silver gold deposit, equal parts gold, equal parts silver a um, couple of million, million ounces of gold, I think 70 million ounces of silver, great exploration upside, drills are turning again. Um, you know, 92% of that property hasn't been explored. Um, it's they, almost promo worthy. It's almost promo worthy. And I think, you know, they, they, they've done a great job of bringing in some uh, Mexican nationals to the board that are more familiar with the permitting process in Mexico and I think better connected. I think that was a smart move by, by Morgan Poliquin and the Almaden team. I think that's going to bear fruit as far as advancing um, the permit discussions. And look, you know, getting getting denied on a first go around in Mexico isn't isn't, you know, a new thing that happens often. But bottom line is, look, great exploration upside. There's a resource that anchors the valuation. There is a mill there as well. And um, yeah, will you have to be patient? Probably. Will it be worth it from these levels? Probably as well. There you go. That's pretty good for a free podcast recommendation. Not bad. I'll give you one more just for kicks because I'm about to get on a rant. So this is the part, everybody, where in about a minute, you probably want to tune out if you don't like uh, rants. So the other one that I'll give you is going to be Patriot Battery Metals. Um, I've highlighted that company multiple times, reached a high of 80 cents recently. Uh, they have a pretty aggressive marketing push. I helped finance it at 16 cents, participated in that finance. Uh, financing. Watch to go to 80 cents. It's pulled back to 38, 39 cents. I suspect there were people that weren't able to get into that 16 cent financing that got a little upset when it went to 80 cents and are probably pushing the stock down. I also suspect that the company might announce a financing soon. And I think that presents an opportunity because they just had a news release outlining a very aggressive marketing campaign that will start next Tuesday. You get this on Monday, by Tuesday, I, 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 I suspect we're going to see higher prices for Patriot battery metals. It's drilling, big long copper trend, long lithium trend. The drill program appears to be going well from their release. So there is an opportunity there. Good stuff. What's the rant about? Oh, fucking cops, man. Here we go, everybody. So Minnesota police were caught on video hunting activists, not looking to arrest criminals during the Black Lives Matter riots, protest, call it what you want. We're not delicate around here. Whatever you want to call it, right? So I, I always get on rants about accountability. If you're a criminal, if you get caught committing a crime, you should go be accountable for it, right? Um, if you're not, you should be treated like every other citizen fairly. So in the midst of these riots, there's body cam footage that they've now released where the officers, the officers are, and, and this is not even officer. This is a Minnesota, Minneapolis police sergeant who is instructing his officers. If the, the, these are his words, not mine. So get mad at him. If you see a fucking group, fuck them up, gas them, fuck them up. The first fuckers we see, we're just handling them with forties. Another officer is on body cam saying, be wary, wary, quiet. We're hunting activists. Tonight, we're going out hunting. Just a nice change of tempo. Fuck these people. 
That, in conjunction with a Capitol Police officer, and I got some pushback on this when, when, when the insurrection was happening, and I said, look, yeah, there were some cops that were brave and that were putting hands on, 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 on the rioters and the protesters and the insurrectionists, but there were also a lot that were literally just opening the gates and allowing them in and, you know, giving instructions. Well, that's not, that's not a tinfoil conspiracy, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory anymore. A U.S. Capitol Police officer has just been indicted on obstruction of justice charges. He's being charged with helping hide evidence of a rioter's involvement. This motherfucker, Michael A. Riley, is accused, accused of tipping off someone who participated in the riot by telling them to remove posts from Facebook that showed the people inside the Capitol during the January 6th attack. This was an attack on our Capitol. Criminal trespassing. So on the one hand, we have activists in Minneapolis, most which were peaceful, and the ones that weren't, go to jail. Go straight to jail. Go have your day in court. Round them up and, 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 and you, you know give them their day in court. But the ones that weren't, Sure in the hell don't deserve a sergeant telling his officers, instructing his officers who they look to for leadership to fuck them up. You see them gas them up. And on the other yep. hand, you have, uh, you, you have a Capitol Police officer that is literally helping insurrectionists get off and dodge indictments by teaching them how to hide evidence. If there is not two systems of justice in this country, if that's not a, a, as clear a point on that, I can't do anything for you. It's just, it, it makes me sick, Nick. It makes me sick that, you know, the people that we we look to, that we finance through our tax dollars, I jo joked about my tax bill, right? Um, I have no troubles paying my taxes for good services, good police, good fire departments. This is absolutely, this is criminal. It's literally criminal. People should be arrested. People should be indicted. I don't care if they're officers. I don't care if they're sergeants. I don't care, you know, if 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 people were burning down buildings the same way you went and got those assholes that were burning down the buildings. You go and get the assholes that are looking to fuck people up, everyday citizens who are out there protesting because most of them were just protesting peacefully. They uh, likely won't, as you know, because they're behind the thin blue line and they protect their own. And so um, the mayor in uh, Minnesota, which you were just talking about, has strongly denounced the actions of the police and the internal affairs investigation is uh, ongoing. And there's a piece of footage that's a part of that um, where there's a girl yelling that, you know, this is America. We're out here peacefully protesting. Uh, unarmed and um, the cops throw stun grenades at their feet. And so um, that's sort of it. Um, it's the uh, abusive arm of the it's the abusive arm of the state. Sorry. Are they, are, are the, they behind you, Nick? <laughs> okay, they, no, are they hearing me? <laughs> sorry about the motorcycle. No, it's the abusive arm of the state and the, uh, uh, the police have evolved into um, their brutality force, right? Their enforcer force. And so, um, you know, they've been gone, uh, they've gone unreined, unchecked as far as the use of violence, the equipment that they have, uh, how they're protected uh, in the courts, et cetera. And there's one reason that those protests were uh, happening in the first place. But you talk about uh, a two-tier system of justice. And so that's what I wanted to talk about because I got a lot of things to tie together. So mm -hmm. I'll wait and, and, and until you're done to, to get the signal to go because I'll go for a little bit. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you go in here one second. I just, I, and I'll put the link up to the Rolling Stone article, but they, they, there was this footage that was released. And the reason the footage was released, it was the discovery process. It was requested by the lawyer of a man who was caught up in, in exchange of fire with police that night. Um, he's an army veteran, Jaleel Stallings, who was exonerated for acting in self-defense. So basically what happened is this footage, the cops had it. Of course, they didn't release it. This man is charged with assault with a deadly weapon for firing at an officer. And it turns out the reason he was firing at an officer is because the cops ran up on him looking to fuck him up because they were hunting. Right. And so in this footage, that, that wasn't even the, 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 the it there's, there's, they're, they're making racist comments. They're cursing at journalists and protesters. They're slashing the tires of parked cars. 
And I thought the Rolling Stone article did a brilliant job of, of, of explaining, in short, this is how they phrased it. In short, they were acting more lawless than the crowds they were supposed to be controlling that night. Yep. And again, I have three boys, um, 23, 18, and 13. They're opinionated. They're law-abiding. They're great kids. But, you know, they are the type of kids that would want to be out peacefully protesting for equality, whether it's equal rights, whether it's justice, whether it's, you know, wh whatever it is, good kids, right? And so if this is what they were walking into here in Austin, I understand why Mr. Stallings thought that he had to fire in self-defense, whether it was firing at an officer or not. And again, I hope there's some sort of accountability with this because this is absolute bullshit. Absolute bullshit. So, and the complete inverse of what it's supposed to be. Look, you got citizens firing at cops to protect themselves. Think about that for a minute. I've told you for a long time that cops steal more than robbers. I've told you for a long time that cops commit more crimes than uh, than we know about across the spectrum. And so uh, coming out here uh, into the fore and, and, and hopefully people don't uh, stand for it much longer, because like you say, when you pay your taxes, um, you know, those those police work for you and um, they've been uh, allowed uh, without oversight to morph into the the brutal arm, police enforcement arm, uh, that you just described, right? And so um, I was going to talk about uh, taxes in the Pandora's box and tie it back to mm -hmm. uh, even South Dakota, for mm. example. So um, you had this Pandora's box thing, uh, which we wanted to talk about. It was the largest leak of how the uh, elite hide their wealth um, uh, since the Paradise Papers and the Panama Papers before that, this was the, the largest release. And it's everything you already knew about, you know, the King of Jordan and Azerbaijan and how they own hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate in the uh, U.S., uh, et cetera. And uh, the, the law firms that they used to do it and where the bank accounts are. Um, and one of the hotspots that emerged for, for the, uh, let me talk about Banksy first. Uh, mm -hmm. They were like uh, owning Banksy paintings. And so that's very ironic, right? If not hypocritical, right? Like, cause you know what Banksy stands for and is all about. Um, and then he's selling these, uh, then you got the elite buying, buying Banksy paintings for millions of dollars and stashing them in, in, in offshore things. <laughs> it's sort of a bizarre world, right? Uh, Gerardo, but back to, back to South Dakota, um, they had like, um, let me just pull up the article so I get the numbers right. It was like hundreds of billions of dollars of wealth stored in South Dakota. Like South Dakota is uh, the new Delaware, basically. And so um, according, to the according to the report, they had $367 billion in assets stashed in South Dakota. B, uh, right? A With a B. With a B. A mm -hmm. sum approaching the annual economic output of Ireland. And so um, like multiple times the next state, Florida or Delaware or whatever. And so you think about um, justice. And so these papers made clear that a lot of the activities in these papers were not, quote unquote, illegal, right? Because of the way that they're done, you know, in offshore accounts, uh, et cetera. But in some cases, they're you know pretty clear that it's money laundering. Like, you know, some of these accounts in South Dakota were from uh, a Colombian textile manufacturer that had already been caught doing some like nefarious things, for example. So you think about that and the billions of dollars that are flowing through the, the South Dakota um, private money game or whatever you want to call it. And then you think back to like the state's attorney that was that ran a man over and didn't get any charges for it, right? And I just wonder, like, um, you know, how many of these accounts does he know about or has been greased to look the other way or, you know, dinners that he's gone to with the people that make South Dakota what it is, right? Mm. This haven for for money to be stored, right? The, the judge that let him off easy, does he know about these accounts? Has he worked on any of those things? You know, because then you see these insider trading reports. There was one that came out today about judges mm. who were working on cases involving public equities. And not only did they not recuse themselves, but accounts that they and their families owned were actively trading in the companies <laughs> uh, uh, that, were, uh, that had cases in front of the judges that owned the accounts. Right. And so. 
Um, all that is legal and that second tier of justice while the people exercising uh, their First Amendment right are being hunted by the police. Do you see where I went with that? Mm. Mm. It's a bizarre world. And, and and look, you know, we 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 we've been telling you about this for a while, right? For about 138 episodes of Bizarro World. And it's getting more egregious. It's getting more um it's getting bolder. It's getting more, we're not even trying to hide it anymore, right? And I know that we talk a lot about fourth turnings, but this is the type of stuff that lights the match, right? I made the 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 analogy of the, the Molotov cocktail and, you know, there's there's two types of people, right? People that light it and people that toss it. And uh, I'm not advocating for that. I just, historically, I know where these types of abuses, whether it's our justice system, whether it's, you know, um, the lack of upward mobility, whether it's, you know, the, 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 the way we treat individuals uh, based on, you know, gender and, and sexual preference or sexual identity. Um, these are the things that light that cocktail and toss it and, and have those multiplied many times over. And again, it's not what I hope for. But something has to change. This can't continue. This can't continue. I mean, again, you and I, Nick, we joked about our tax bill. Woohoo, champagne problems. We did well last year, right? Um, there's people that just want a fair shot. And whether it's central bankers or police officers or lawmakers or, you know, your local politician that's gerrymandering districts so that, you know, votes aren't represented equally. They're making it harder for the average citizen to have that upward mobility on multiple fronts. That's going to lead to a not happy, calm outcome. And I hope that as a society, we are prudent enough to front run what I think is coming because I don't have that kind of faith in politicians or central bankers or police officers. <laughs> um What's coming will not be peaceful. What's coming will not be, um, you know, a question anymore. It'll be a demand. And so I'll leave that there. I'll leave that there. You got anything else on that front there, Nick? Just that the middle class now goes into $141,000 of annual income. And so if you're making $141,000 and you're still in the middle class, you've got to see that it's getting squeezed out. And that's what you're talking about, right? That lack of opportunity where even if you, you're making $150K a year, you're not getting out of the, the middle 60%, right? And um, it's on down the line. Imagine uh, making much less than that and trying to uh, go out in this economy and buy things with the rising prices and, and shortages. And so uh, I think it's Gerald Salente who says when mm. people have nothing left to lose, they lose it. Mm. But we're mad at Dave Chappelle because he told a joke that hurt someone's feelings. Punching down on me. <laughs> did you see it? <laughs> I did. It was amazing. <laughs> I'll get in trouble if I quote some of it, but like... I that is run, run around yelling space juice. <laughs> he started with space juice. <laughs> it was great. That is one brilliant storyteller. Um, William Shatter, let, let, let me change it up and lighten it up Speaking a little of space bit. Juice, I'm not <laughs> uh, William, William Shatner went to space. <laughs> I don't know how at 90 years old he was fit enough to go to space. He said it was a life-changing experience, and he said he hopes he never awakens from the feeling that he experienced while he was out there. And all I could think during that whole time was, man, I'd be so claustrophobic. Yeah, I mean, dude, how old? Yeah. <laughs> He's I can't 90. Believe he was... He's crazy, man. He's 90. Good for him. Good for Rich him. Takai was a bit miffed. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Um, yeah, it's a <laughs> space Jews. Y'all have to go see the special before we get ourselves in trouble over here. And hey, speaking of getting in trouble, I see that uh, you mentioned your Wikipedia page um, being being altered. And I know you motherfuckers listen. So <laughs> pace is a real thing. Um, and, 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 and we have the numbers and we have the letters. So keep playing. Yeah, I mean, Wikipedia shows you the IP address of the people that edit the thing. And so it's easy to see who it is. It's just a, 
a bit petty, but petty is as petty does, I guess. That's what someone said to me. And so um, anyway, yeah, no, it's if you want to come back to Molotov cocktails, right? We got bullets. Yeah, Pacer. I said Pace. I meant Pacer. Numbers yep. and letters. And just so, you know, just so we're clear, um, for those of you that are listening, since it's out there and we put it on Twitter now, we, you know, we, 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 were, we were being classy about a situation that was delicate when we left Angel Publishing and Outsider Club, Outsider Club being Nick Hodge's baby, right? He grew that um, division to from it literally he 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 birthed it <laughs> from inception and and grew it to you know a reach of over four hundred thousand people um, that that received you know his editorials. My first opportunity came as a result of being put together with Mister Nick Hodge under the Outsider Club banner, um, and and you know had some great years there. Um, did some great work, grew that business. There was a situation when we left where there were accusations of one towards one of the principals of sex trafficking. It wasn't an accusation. It was a 26 count indictment. I'll speak for myself. I did not feel comfortable staying given the scope of the indictment because I read it. I went page by page, went through it. There seemed to be at the very least, enough there that made me sick to say, I no longer want to be a part of this company, not to make accusations against all of the principals, not the case, not what the indictment said, but the one individual who was a co-owner, um, it, it, it disgusted me. And, and, and I made the decision immediately uh, to jump ship. And I, I'll leave that there. I'll just say, I think we were classy in the way that we dealt with it and have been. Um, we weren't allowed to reach subscribers without being edited. That was an issue for me at the very end. And we decided that we would form our own publishing company, hence Digest Publishing, which is now up and running. And we have a new crypto product we're excited to introduce to all of you here soon. Um, it, it, it's, been, it's been fantastic. Um, that's why I left when I left. And that's why it was as abrupt as it was. Everybody knows how I feel about rapists, molesters, sex traffickers, anything of the sorts. Don't, don't, don't have an inkling of tolerance for that. And um, the, 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 the guy was found guilty and bailed out and killed himself. So you can go ahead and, you know, judge that for yourself. Um, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. I don't know this man. I've never met this man. Um, I couldn't tell you if the accusations were true or not. I could tell you that a jury thought they were true. And I can tell you that he's no longer here because he killed himself. So for the people that think it's cute to fuck with Nick's little Wikipedia page and Nick can defend himself, he's a big boy. He can fight his own battles. Um, go ahead. Keep playing. Well, that's it. I mean, it, I don't even know why it's a battle or why it had to be so petty. It just seemed like such a non-starter thing to have to do. But, you know, you want to do that. That's fine. I can I can re-edit, uh, et cetera. And, you know, I can uh, start being more vociferous about uh, things as, as well. But uh, more, I think what I want to say is um, it, it goes back to... Um, being ahead of trends and uh, wanting to do things the right way, I think. So let me talk about the newsletter business for a second. It had gotten and remains a little bit out of hand um, with the respect to lead generation and uh, the promises that were being made and the types of deals that were being offered to uh, retail investors to sign up to newsletters such that um, the value of an editor's letter, his true performance was no longer, it wasn't a meritocracy anymore, basically. Mm. It was, um, you know, about uh, con conversion at all costs because the model had changed. Um, so you weren't trying to monetize a lead that was on your newsletter as an outsider club, which you described very nicely, but you were going to someone who'd never met you before and uh, telling them whatever you needed to tell them to increase your cart value, to pay off what you were spending to get that person's eyeballs on your ad in the first place. 
Um, I'm not the smartest man, but I came to view that practice as unsustainable. And so uh, I did what I could or what I thought was best to voice those concerns. Uh, largely fell on deaf ears, at least as, as I viewed it. And so um, knew that uh, I could probably have better opportunity working for myself. And so had set those wheels in motion and was very transparent about that. And then uh, the the event that that you speak of is uh, was certainly the uh, let's go with bullet in the head, mm. and so um, yeah, we decided to jump ship and uh, create something better, and uh, I now view that as better. And so let's talk about trends in the direction of the business, right? We talk about being ahead of cycles, uh, not only in our lives, but in the market as a way to profitability, being literally ahead of the herd. The herd isn't feeling so uh, great right now because they're being left behind. I just told you that it takes $141,000 to be <laughs> get out of the middle class. And so mm. um, I want to put products out there uh, that people can profit from. And so it becomes or it became increasingly harder to do that in a wave of uh, promises and, and, and nonsense. And so um, I think you're starting to see the reverberations uh, of that. And so the best way I can articulate it is most financial publishing companies put 80 percent of everything spending marketing power, brain power into into marketing and selling you the product and 20 percent into uh, the actual product itself. Uh, our mission, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but I think you feel the same way, is to have better products. Um, and the marketing might not be as uh, fancy and uh, the copy might not be written by uh, guys who get paid $30,000 to write 6,000 words to sell you something. But um, I can tell you that it still sells. <laughs> and I can tell you that the products I am more proud to uh, put out. And I think that uh, the entire industry is going to have to to go that way. And I think some are learning it faster than others and some are learning it right now. And I think um, that it's just another case of being ahead of the herd because I read that there's a, a mass resignation underway, Gerardo, and um, I think we beat it by a year. And just to be clear, there's some very good people over there. I, I Look, I worked you know, remotely like I have since 2013. I, I wasn't the guy. I wasn't even in the same state. I didn't show up to the office. I didn't hang out with everybody. I think I went twice, right? Um, in, in, in the four or five years that I, that, that I was there. There's some great people over there, some very good people. This is definitely not meant to disparage um, several of the good relationships that we have that way. Um, but the petty shit, like those shots can get a little bit more specific if y'all want to keep playing with it. So I'll leave that there. And if, um, you know, if, if anybody wants to defend um, the guy that was convicted for sex trafficking and all the other sick shit and get mad at us for talking about it, priorities are fucked up. Open invitation to come on and do so as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mr. Hodge, what else you got on your mind? I did pretty good on the Pandora's papers. What else were we talking about? <laughs> uh, I was pretty proud of that. I, 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 I think I, 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 I think you um, put the nail in the coffin on that one. That was well done, sir. I think uh, we got to talk about John Deere. We got to talk about John Deere. Look, the um, again, this goes back to our theme, right? People are angry. Um, for John Deere, that means ten thousand John Deere workers are on strike. Why? Because they want better pay and better benefits. And look, this labor shortage that's going on where people are no longer willing to accept seven bucks or eight bucks or nine bucks an hour. Um, or 14. Or 14 or 15. Um, <laughs> this is a trend that will continue. It pays literally to treat your people well before you have to. And John Deere is learning right now. And so we'll put the link up to the article. But, you know, 10,000 workers at 14 different Deere plants, including seven in Iowa, four in Illinois, and one each in Kansas, Colorado, and Georgia. Um, that is that 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 can that can inflict a significant amount of pain 
um, at a time where there's already logistical challenges because of COVID-related delays and other delays as it relates to the supply chain, right? And so um, the company has said it's activating a continuity plan to bring in non-union employees to keep the operations running. That's not sustainable. And look, there's a lot of companies that are leading on employment and perks and the way they create a culture that is nurturing and enables the best out of employees. And there's people doing it, you know, the the the, the complete wrong way. And again, not to say that John Deere is doing it the wrong way. I don't work there. I don't know anyone that does. But however it's doing it, 10,000 people are upset. It's even broader than that. So um, let's talk about the tractors that John Deere makes for one second, which in some cases are several hundred thousand dollar um, modern marvels that drive themselves via GPS, et cetera, and know how much fertilizer to put on what section of the crop based on sensors, uh, et cetera, that are tied into weather algorithms and things. And so... um, one of the things that farmers hate is new John Deere tractors because you can't fix them yourself. And so when I saw this issue, it's it's broader than that, right? It's more of this bizarre world institutions thing, because not only are they treating their uh, workers in a way that their workers feel like they have to go on strike, but the products that they're producing um, are mistreating the consumers that buy them by making them pay um, extremely high fees to get their tractors serviced for even routine service, right? Uh, hydraulic oil change or whatever it is, right? And so there's already cases about this in Washington, D.C. It's it's called, um, what is it called? Right to fix, I believe it's called. And mm. so uh, you should have a right to fix a product that you buy on your own without taking it back to the dealer. Apple is even being targeted in mm-hmm. this uh, respect. And so it goes back to that product, right? Like, uh, and the treatment of the employees, which you said, and I'll touch on both. Like I just said, wanting to make a product that you're prouder of that's that benefits the consumer. Um, and of course, you want to make money and you want to have margin and you got to take distributions and, and feed your kids, right? And, and make a living. Uh, but there's way to do that um, such that it's a, a win-win for uh, your employees and uh, the people who uh, produce your products. And that's uh, the long arc of this turning. That's the long arc of this de-institutionalization, right? Um, the treating better of employees and the, the products that, um, you know, you don't have to hire a lawyer to sue the company for so you can change the oil uh, on your own. And then I would just pound our chest a little bit because I already talked about the products and stuff, but the corporate structure and culture as well is set up such that uh, we pay 100% of the premiums for Uh, everyone's health insurance and every single full-time employee has a a stake in the profits. And so um, I think that's the, the way of the future, even, you know, tying it back to the things we invest in like mining, right? Like going up front to the indigenous communities and and giving them literal NSRs or stakes in the thing up front. So they're profiting in the thing. I mean, uh, you know, call it socialist or communist or whatever you want to, but I think there's a, uh, the model of the future involves uh, some some things like that. People want a piece of the pie. Not only is it good business, it's the right thing to do by people that are literally the the the, the life of the business that make it happen. People hear my rants and they read my writings and and they hear you know Nick's intelligent conversation and dialogue and and read his newsletters and you know. But there's a whole team behind the scenes that makes all of, you know, dots all the I's and crosses all the T's. It's an incredible group of, of guys and gals uh, that do phenomenal work. And it's been an absolute privilege to grow a company from inception alongside Nick, you know, under, under his guidance and uh, with, with this team. It's been, uh, it's been fun and uh, I look forward to many, 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 many years of being able to do business in a way that directly reflects the values um, that 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 I think Nick and I um, want to live by and do business by, right? That's it. That's it. Um, I encourage anybody who hasn't seen the Joe Rogan um, and Dr. Sanjay Gupta clip 
or, or or the podcast if you have a couple of hours. I haven't watched the whole thing, but um, have you seen this, Nick, where Joe Rogan... Uh, so, you know, CNN, when Joe Rogan got sick, um, made it a point to, you know, they changed... They, they, again, pettiness, stupid shit. They changed the filter of him when he announced he had COVID to make it look like he was sicker, right? The color of the the the, the, the screen. And then they, they, they kept saying that he was taking horse... Uh, hor- Horse dewormer, mm-hmm. horse tranquilizer, whatever the hell it was, the dewormer. And uh, ivermectin. Yeah, ivermectin, exactly. So he had Sanjay Gupta on there and he he grilled him. It was beautiful. It, it, it was it, it, it was great. He he said, Doesn't it bother you that your employer, the network that you work for, lied about what I was taking and lied about the efficacy? And lied and, and I mean he goes into it and um I encourage everybody to watch it again. Is it easy to point at a Dave Chappelle or a Joe Rogan and say, I don't agree with everything? Of course, that's easy. You're not supposed to agree with everything. And of course, I curse a bit more than I probably should on this podcast. Of course, I'm opinionated and that's going to rub people the wrong way. It is what it is. I am the only I that I know how to be. Um but, you know, do we discount everything a Joe Rogan does or says or anything, everything that Dave Chappelle does and says because there's one part of him or her that you don't like? Um, like they said, don't click on, don't listen, right? And so I, I, you, you should watch the clip. I'll send it to you, Nick. And anybody out there that's listening uh, should watch the clip because it goes back to the point we were making about people no longer trusting the institutions because the institutions have gotten so drunk on their own power. Proving themselves distrustworthy. Proving themselves distrustworthy. And I thought it was great that Sanjay Gupta had to go on a podcast only to see him get, you know, put on blast for what his network um, did. And uh, it it was good stuff. It was good. uh, It was, it was, it was good entertainment and factual entertainment. And again, it's why people are upset with the system, the way the system's running now. Yep. And seeking uh, independent media, which um, we're trying to provide. That's it. Go to dailyprofitcycle.com, everybody. If you're looking for paid services, digestpublishing.com. If you're looking for sponsored content on resource companies, resourcestockdigest.com. Nick and I will be presenting next week at the New Orleans Investment Conference. It's my favorite conference of the year. I'm looking forward to catching up with several people. If you see us out there, please stop and say hello. Love talking with subscribers and, and, and readers and you know just people in general. So if you want to talk shop, reach out to us. Mr. Hodge, anything else? I'll even shake your hand. Hey, look at that. We're shaking hands again. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 139 of Bizarro World. Say something nice to the people, Nick. Adios.